Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. At Cub, we say we're your business family, and that's exactly what we are. Today, I'm catching up with Blake Allen, a longtime Cub member, a good friend of mine, the founder and CEO of BRC Roofing and Cladding. Blake uh, has an incredible story, truly a rag to riches story. Uh, he's overcome great adversities in his life and he's done so with a fantastic mental state and perception of the world. Um, Blake is an inspiring guy uh, and in times of great difficulty like what we're going through now, his story and his lessons are incredibly valuable. I had such a good time with Blake, so I hope you enjoy the show. And we're live. I'm sitting here today with Cub member Blake Allen, uh, the founder and CEO of BRC Roofing and Cladding Australia. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No, please. Um, mate, you have, you're a very, very, as I was saying before, interesting and incredibly special person with, I would probably argue, one of the best mindsets and mind frames towards business, but also towards life in general. And a large part of that is due to uh, your background and how you started, which which wasn't cruisy. And here we are today. How long ago did you start your business? Uh, seven years. Seven, seven years so ago. we just had the seventh birthday, oh, nearly maybe a month and so ago. And how, how old were you when you started it? Started, the, had a, started my first business at 20, yeah. uh, which was just a subcontracting business for larger firms. Yeah. And then started, you know, the company at 23. Incredible. So, so you're 30 now? Yes. Oh, you're so young. Oh, and, I, I didn't, didn't realise you were only 30. <laughs> and See these geez, you accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. And, and before we get into a bit more about your story, can you just share a little bit about BRC? Uh, where that's just kind of what you do and, and who you do it for and, and that type of thing? BRC, we're um, a specialist roofing and wall cladding company. Uh, we partner with construction companies uh, in the industrial, commercial and residential space, mm -hmm. uh, providing high-end uh, metal roofing and wall cladding finishes from heritage, soft metal, zincs, coppers, all the way up to your steel standard colour bond. Incredible. So, so it's, it, it's roofing, all metal roofing? Yeah, all metal roofing. Look, we started out roof tiling, you know, in, when I was 16 at the start of my career, my first apprenticeship. Yep. Uh, the business since I've set it up uh, at 23 to now we have literally merged from a roofing company that done it all mm. to now a specialist high-end metal roofing. Oh, good. And so we're going to talk about that more later because you really then found your niche that you liked and you stuck to that. Yeah, that's and that's where we are at the moment. We are at the moment. You know, we've we've found that recently and I've noticed that that's where we provide the most value yep. to our construction partners yep. in and around the design phase and the high-end finishes phase. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things most businesses – one of the hardest things any business can do is, is find what it does. What it actually does. Yeah, what well, it's, it, it's taken some time and it's, you know, it's been very hard for me but coming from the trade background mm -hmm. and having both trades and being able to do stuff because you've got to actually say no to work, yeah, which is a skill. Which is hard. Fuck saying no to money. Yeah, you've got to say no to work yeah. and you or you've got to trust or set up joint ventures with other companies to do the work you don't want to do to keep your clients happy to provide the value there. Incredible. So, I want to talk more about that when we get to the business. But first, um, I want to talk about how you got to the business because um, a large part of today's podcast is going to be on mindset and having the right attitude towards life and particularly the difficult things that you haven't got control over, uh, which is something that you very much learned over your, your short years. I didn't realize you were only 30. And I think that for us to understand a bit more about your background, where you come from, it's, it's really going to help us, myself and the listeners, kind of understand just how strong your, your mental capacity is. Well, like I say, I, I will touch on it and I'm touching on it from the standpoint of nothing but positivity, uh, trying to help people, um, listeners understand that no matter situations you're put in, whether it be as a child or as an adult, you really should not let that deter just how far you want to go or be your ceiling, you know. If you've got the determination, tenacity, resilience, to change your life as a as a person, a human, business owner, then there's no one stopping you. 
So, you know, just to touch on it quickly, I'm a country boy. I was born in Dubbo. Oh, yeah. I was written up in the paper. I know. I was <laughs> obviously special. Yeah. Mum was, I think she was around 25, 26 when she had, I was the youngest of her three boys. Then, um, you know, mum and ran into some problems with my father. He went to work and never come home. I think I was around about one. So he went away one weekend and he never returned. So... Obviously, mum stayed out in the country, had the family, my nana pop, everyone's still out there. She tried the country life for a couple of years. Uh, everyone knowing what you're doing, they know when you left, they know when you're right out in the country. It really didn't sit well with mum after what happened. So she come up here into the city, uh, moved to Seven Hills and got a job uh, here uh, on, the, on running the Matilda Cruises. So mm-hmm. she become a career woman. Yeah. You know, she, was, she obviously had bigger dreams and I respect her for that. Uh, we, and how old were you at that point? Uh, so I think I was about three, four at that okay. stage. So my brothers were, I'm the youngest, so they were eight, 11, you know what I mean? Well, I had a full-time babysitter. They were going to school. She ran into a lot of trouble with my um, brother going through puberty. Mm. We had a lot of trouble with our babysitter. Uh, my middle brother come in one day and found her slouched over the toilet with a needle hanging out her arm, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty much that was it. So... Mum called her brother in the last ditch attempt before she was probably going to lose us three kids. Um, and then luckily my uncle, three kids of his own, uh, took us three in. So from the age of four, I've never grown up in my inner family home and I was there for 10 years with them out in the country, a place called Galagambone, uh, which is about 120 kilometres central west of Dubbo. A bustling population. Oh, 490 people, <laughs> 490 people. Um, more kangaroos there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I grew up there and spent the next 10 years, you know, with them. Uh, they were, you know, I'm grateful for the what they've done for me. We, we, we didn't go in the system, you know, we weren't part of the system. You know, it was hard for them. You know, he was the spark local Sparky. He works for the farmers out there. You know, my pop. You know, he's a local townie who worked for the farmers, you know, only retired at, or didn't retire, stopped working at 80. So it was a hard slog. You know, we used to live off the land. We'd, you know, have slaughter days and kill the, everyone would come around the house and we'd kill a beast and we'd put it in the cool room and we would, you know, have, do two sheep, three ducks and chickens. Like we pretty much for butchery and meats and stuff, we lived off the land. Um you know, he that actually sounds like a pretty healthy lifestyle. Mate, and look, I look back at it now and, you know, he took us to all the sporting events. We played a lot of rep sport out there. Mm. I was always grateful for that. You know, they kept food in our tummy. You know, it was, they were very strict. They were pretty much, I would say, a big reason why I can deal with the downturns in business and not give up. They've taught me discipline. Um, you know, we weren't allowed to watch TV. You know, you're outside, you're doing stuff, work ethic. They literally installed all my work ethic without a doubt. So, you know, as much as it was a, yeah, bit of a challenging childhood, I think, mate, I wouldn't be able to do what I've done in business and to achieve and stayed so committed for coming up to even though I'm 30. You know, I've been in the industry now since 16. So in November 2nd, it's like 15 years. So it's pretty much half of my life I've dedicated to the industry. And I think I owe that to pretty much the country roots that I was growing up in, you know. And that, that's pretty much, you know, touching base on that. And I think, you know, that's not who I am as a person now. I took off at 14, tried to live with my mum again. That didn't work. Uh, fell off the rails, come up here at 16 because my brother was like, mate, you need help, come mm-hmm. up here, got in the workforce, never looked back. And so do you think that it very much sounds like work almost saved you? Work literally, I owe my life to my, I, I believe, and this might sound strange for people who don't like work, but I wouldn't be here today talking to you, trying to enlighten people or trying to enlighten myself if it wasn't for the career and what I've done. My son wouldn't be able to do half the things, see the things, be around the things he's evolved in, the private schools, with all this stuff now I owe to my business and, and, and the constant dedication. So you're dead right, Daniel, without a doubt. Like it's work for me, it's not work as such. I feel there's always a bigger purpose. Even when, before I started my company, I was still the employee that would always go in and, you know, work on rain days. I would always try. So I think, you know, and that must come from that childhood, you know what I mean, where you've got to think 25 years ago out in a small country town, mate, there's no whinging out there. 
mate, you got told to do something. There was a clear expectation and you do it. Mm. I fully agree. I've always said country people, are, they've always got such strong and good mentalities and, and work ethics because country life is like farming life is, is hard life. You know, it's it's a, it may be peaceful, I guess. And yeah, it's a slow life, though. Yeah. You know, it's a good life, and it my is. family love yeah. that. Like but they it's strict. Yeah, oh. shit needs to be done. It's fucking done. Oh, families as well. Don't make a commitment that you don't uphold. They won't talk yep. to you. They hold grudges. It's disgusting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. families are like that out there. But you know, I've come up here. They respect all the family. Think you know, some mm. little rock star and stuff. But they stay true to themselves as well. They don't come up here. And so, but do, but do they find great pride in what you've oh, accomplished? Yeah, when I'm out there, of course. Like I, I go out there probably three, four times a year. You know, I take my friends from yeah. here out there to see what it's like. Take them clay target shooting, or we go out and play golf. And my brother owns a local pub out there now. Yeah, he's doing oh, well. Wow, so your yeah. brother, you did, yeah. brother did really well. Yeah, he's well. he's he's married a what we call a cocky. So yeah. cockies are the. The, the farmer's girls. So he's he's married a cocky's daughter. Yeah. So he's he's doing well, right? They're the, the wealthy farm people out there. Uh, we call good. them cockies. So we go out there and do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you know, it's part of me. But and it's what, not who I am now, you know. Of course. But, I mean, who you are be, ends up being an accumulation of the experiences that you get put in in life. And, and to a large part, you can choose some of the experiences you have. But the world almost happens to you. In a way. Yeah. You know, you're not bigger than the world. The world's going to happen to you. And one thing that you can control is the way you perceive all the things that are happening. And another thing too, everything does happen to you for you, but however, that doesn't, that should never deter you of what you've actually set out to achieve. Mm. And I think that's something where when I decided to have a red hot crack, which was probably, I would say 20. So I had my first child at 21. So he's now nine. Um, and I think the, the, around that time was when I've gone, you know what, I'm good at my job. I didn't know what I wanted to – my end goal was, but I was like, no more mediocrity. It's, 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 it's time. But see, that's very odd because that's a very young age to think like that, particularly from um, someone like yourself that didn't have an upbringing in – Business, like it wasn't necessarily the option. That's not what you was expected of you. It was that, oh, that was probably what was unexpected. This life is foreign to my family. Like they don't understand like the lunches at Willamette. Yeah. Or so, the but hard why? Work. But why? Why did you? Why was that what you wanted? Do you think you were born like that, or do you think that was that was because you had a good mindset towards your experiences? You thought you could have more. Look, I, nah. I think it was the mindset. So, like I said, I've watching my pop work. You know, until he was 80. So when I would have left, he would have been, he's 87 now, you know, he would have still been 77, early 70s, mid 70s, yeah. working 40, 50 hours a week for the farmers and stuff. You know, as the, I was the youngest of six boys in the small house, you know, seeing what my uncle and auntie had to go through and how, you know, tight with money they had to be. I was wearing third person hand-me-downs at school. I, it was an Aboriginal community as well. So I grew up with a lot of them and, and seeing the unfortunate, what would you call it, situations that children or families are in, you know, my uncle didn't choose to take us in. You know, he made the best of a bad decision and he put what he could on the table for us kids. So I don't hold any – there's no judgment if that's the way it is. But for me, I was like, man, there's got to be more. Mm. Like I want more. And even if there's not, I'm going to find out my, myself. You know, talking about money to my family, well, that's a no-no. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. You know, it's like I, when I go out there, I'll take a six-pack of beer and – Get my yeah. pop out in the porch and in his little gopher and crack a beer with him. Yeah. I don't talk to him about we had a record sales month. Mm. Mate, that wouldn't light his fire, you but, know. But, but also at the same time, the importance of your family in your life has been huge. It's the reason that you, I mean, really family and then your work. Mm. The family allowed you to get to the, to the point of work. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's why I didn't go in the system. Who knows where I would have been if it wasn't for my uncle to actually If you went into up. the system. By the my, system my dad couldn't mean? man up like he's done. Like yep. he, he literally said, no worries, I'll take all three and, you know, sort of. Wow. So, yeah, I feel like I owe way more than just it's his birthday in a couple of weeks as well. So I'm going to go out there and, and just hang out with him and, and tell him this kind of stuff because as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realise, you know, I end up got a, my boy's turning 10. So it's like. Man, he really manned up, mm. you know. So I don't think I was – I don't think I'm doing it for myself, the whole business. Like this thing is, you know, hopefully so my family never has to go through the same thing as what he had to do to save the family and keep the family together because that's what he's done. He's gone through hell and back to keep the family together. I think that's something that people forget a lot when you think of 
or when people think about entrepreneurs or business owners, they think almost selfish, like profit. And they think kind of like big business and, you know, they want to put up little rates and scam you where they can. But really, Australian entrepreneurs, people like yourself, like me, business is life. It's like what you were saying before. It gives, it gives us meaning. It's our purpose. We love to do that. And we don't love to do it because we love a profit. Yeah, profit's the game part. Mm. But you have the business and you put so much of your soul and heart into it because it, it, it's doing so much good for all the people around you. You can see your team is happy, your family is safer and you, you can see the effect it's happening and it brings yeah, good people absolutely. into your life. And business is a force of good. It brings people together. It creates little communities. It, it, it provides good and service to the public that they wouldn't have otherwise. And the, the most important person is that entrepreneur, is that business owner. Because without someone saying, basically describing what you said, there has to be more. And you know what, I'm going to... Yeah, well, they, they literally buy into your dream, mate. They buy into that vision, right? Mm. So for me to be in a, a national company and work in all the states and stuff is which what I, you know, I want to partner up with the construction partners that are all through Australia, you know. Mm. So that's, I'm on that journey to get to that point. If they don't believe in me, see the growth that we're doing, but if they can't, if they don't come to work and go, you know what, this guy can get us there, mm. they shouldn't be there. Yeah, and that's the, the, the head, the face of the business, mm. exactly what you said. They need to be someone that people say, wow, I respect that person. And they need to be an example, the shining example of the business. If I like who that person is and I respect their attitude and what they've done, well, you know what, I'm going to back them to partner with them or work with them. Absolutely. And as the, as the owner of the face of the business, you need to represent the best version of you. It almost as if business causes you and makes you be a good person. Oh, be accountable. The well, the business is, especially when you're talking bigger business and contracts and stuff and in the, in the larger T stuff we're doing, mate, you cannot let them down. It's going to yeah. cost you. It'll cost you your business. It'll cost you your word. It'll cost you a client. And I think, you know, that was something that was taught into – It's where the country background country. comes in. So yeah. if I make a commitment and I'm trying to get this in or this is something I'm trying to set with especially the operations, you know, when it comes to committing and looking a man or a woman in the face and uh, signing a contract, there is no this can't work, this happened, this happened. And I'm trying to get my team right now to don't go to a client or myself with the problem. Don't mm. do that. I'm not paying you to bring me problems. The client's not paying me to bring them problems. Go to that client with a solution. Yes. Laura, Every don't I time. always say that? Always say that. Mate, it's fine to have a problem. Yeah. But don't come and just notify me that there's a problem. Like, Try to solve it. Yeah. If you can't solve it, let's solve it together. Yeah, well, where's but ideas? let's solve it first. Yeah. Come back with some ideas. Yeah. Like, you got to understand. Let's try to solve it first. Yeah. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur with me, it's an American thing. I call myself a business owner. And, that's you know, I work hard on in the business. So yeah. I still think I, I'm a business owner. However... I think people, their opinion is valued and they need to learn to bring that to the table. Yes, and they need to feel that they have the right and also they need to eventually gain more and more confidence. The more they do it, the more confidence people have to continue doing it. And, and if your team feels that that sense of pride and ownership and, and also self-confidence. Mm, that's correct. They're, they're and most of the team have then, skills and attributes you don't have. You know what I mean? And especially with me, you know, mm. I have some skills that I think is a strong skill, mm. but I have a lot of things that I'm not good at. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if your team binds together and you just work together on those, okay, well, what you can do better, what we might be able to do better, get better together, mate, it's going to help get the outcome that's needed without pouring more pressure onto one person or one client. 100%. And do you think that? That mindset, I mean, I guess your mindset and the desire to do well, I was going to say, was that just born into you? But really it sounds like it's what you witnessed around you and you just translated Strength it. Strength through struggle for me, I feel. Yeah, and you translated it into, a, you used business as the vehicle of which that energy kind of went into. Uh, absolutely. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was business and studies and I just had this desire. I don't know. And, you know, I've been around a lot of business owners since having my company mm. you know at 23 and you know around a lot of networking and a lot of people ask me the same thing and I really can't tell you or I haven't even put time and effort in to put my finger on it mm. you know what I mean like writing out the list of my career and stuff for the last 15 years was a very strange 
the prep sheet. Yeah, that, the activity yeah. for me because I haven't ever stopped and looked at back at what I've done. It's always forward. And but, well, like it's blinkers on. One thing all I noticed that was interesting was you've had a tremendous amount of success in business, but you also before that you had a, a certain number of certifications at the youngest yeah. age or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I started young um, and I realised when I started roof tiling my first roofing trade, it was literally I roof tiled Kellyville. So back 14 <laughs> years ago, we were going from roof to roof, walking with the tile elevator, not even packing the truck up. We were like master, worked for Monier and it was a hard slog. You know, I was a tradie, uh, apprentice to three tradies and, you know, from a young age I got my trade young so the money wasn't the problem but I just knew it was not a trade that I wanted to do forever. So got my trade, started metal roofing or roof plumbing as a trade as well when I was contracting to someone. At 20 to 23, I began contracting, so an ABN, and I would go in and sort of site manage for them on a contracting basis. So I was on, you know, $50 an hour at that stage. So it was never money though. So I put myself through the metal roofing. That was the second year, started my carpentry. Um, and then all of a sudden at 24, I'd done my builders as well. So I was the youngest person in Australia at that time. I don't know about now, but mm. I was the youngest person to have four trades. So pretty much for the 10 years that I was, or yeah, from 16 to 24, so eight, nine years I was doing it. Um, and the last three years were 80 to 100 hour weeks because I was doing, running my, 23, I was running my company during the day. I'd do my carpentry two nights a week and then I'd do my builders one night a week and one full Saturday. So there was a whole year there Jeez. where I pretty much barely saw anyone. That year was pretty much nearly But nine. was it worth it? Well, I'm here today. That's what you I know mean. What I mean. It was worth it. You know, uh, I haven't really used my builders because I had a business coach <laughs> at the time and he's like, well, three years in I had a million-dollar business, you know, and yeah. he goes, why are you going to become a builder now? And I thought to myself, I don't know. <laughs> Like it's like I was working just for the sake of working. I was mm. possessed. I was, mm. As Conor McGregor and that says, you know, you're obsessed. I was obsessed with work. I felt like this is the only way I will get that life that I'm desire. It's not through any luck. It's not through meeting someone. It's going to do work for it. Work for it. You know? And I was, I was obsessed. And do you think because you, you loved it, is it because you loved it you were able to do that much that much work. Yeah. That many well, hours. I don't like, I like to be genuine. You know what I mean? I, and it's, if I had a big dream, which I've always, I would have had the bigger dream younger than that. But then when I realized I can go out and achieve it, because out in the sticks, mate, there's no big dream. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you're there, I would have been one in any of them. Mm. It wasn't possible. I got to Sydney at 16, got my trade at 20. I started to see that snowball roll, right? I was building momentum as a young'un. I was good at my job. I was like, wow, I'm making, you know, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a twenty. You know, I'm running this guy's, you know, multi-million dollar company. Fourteen guys. He's not even coming to work. You know, I thought, wow, I could be that guy. So I'm going to study. You know, I'm going to do this. And then it just become, you know, it got to the point where I set up the company. I was running his company. This is a funny story. I said, okay, I've got a tipper, all my tools, and and an apprentice. I said, I want twenty for the apprentice, and um, fifty for me in the truck. And he come back to me that afternoon. He goes, look. I will give you 50 for you. I said, well, I'm already on that. And he goes, I'll give you 17.50 for the apprentice. So it was like 67.50. So my pay rise literally that I asked for just got taken off me. <laughs> and I was like, okay, is that your best offer? He goes, yeah. So three days later after walking with that, working with that same guy that I've worked with for the last three years, I got another opportunity. I've never been back there since and now that guy contracts to me. Really? So it's, it's sort of the evolution, right? It just sort of. Kept going, kept building. And he was like, what are you going to do with your carpentry? You're never going to, you know, all that kind of stuff and and the metal roofing. And now I don't do the tiles anymore. I give him the tiles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because okay. he's got a great great crew. You know? yeah. Which he's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. He's always up me like um, I don't pay him enough. And you know what I say? We ne- you never used to pay me enough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. World swings in roundabouts, you know it what I mean? It does. Well, everything happens for a reason. And um, at the moment something that's – Quite prevalent, I know in 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 our community at Cub, and in in just the world in general, is people are going through some of these hard times. Um, there are businesses not doing well, and and people having to let go of people that they love, like they, absolutely they never otherwise would ever do that. Um, there's a lot of people on reduced wages. There's a lot of companies that have no revenue at the moment. Yeah, you know, and it's almost as if the entire country is going through 
one of these hard times at the exact same time. Yeah. And I think that uh, the mindset of how to view this is going to determine who does well from this and who doesn't. And I guess my question would be how are you perceiving it? So before JobKeeper started, I pride myself on quick decisions. Yeah. So I had uh, just hired a new project manager, a best mate doing a double degree in law. Just hired him to, to, to handle my clients because, you know, better communication and job cost analysis. So he come over to, so I knew just exactly where I was making money on jobs. Pretty much hired him when I, just before I went away to Thailand uh, in February, just before all this went on, went on. Hired him over. Then that all happened. Contracts fell out the pipeline. I pretty much made a decision then. I was like, okay, you come out and contract. We've got two months of pipeline work. Come out and contract to me, trying to keep him keep mm-hmm. him going. And I'll instantly put my office staff um, on two days. So straight away, we had plenty. Of, we had work at the time, but I knew um, the people I live with are in the um, the health sector, in the unions and stuff. Um, she was obviously telling me a lot of pessimistic stuff about how far this was going to go, which sort of with me, I had to make a decision. Yep. So what I've made sure that I've done once I got the job keeper is I thought to myself, okay, well, what am we going to do with this that is going to help the benefit? Because, you know, that 750 is going to help the employee more than it helps your revenue or your gross profit or your margins, yeah? So I said to myself from get-go, this is not to make or keep as my money. This money is to put back into the people in my business to hopefully build loyalty, trust, and it, when, not if, when this ends, so hopefully sooner rather than later, you've got a more solid foundation of people around you because they trust you. They trust your work ethic. They trust what you're they, – you're not the entrepreneur anymore. You're the, the business owner who cares about his people. I definitely think, I definitely agree and think this is – these are the t- it's the tough times where you you prove your um, loyalty towards people and, and and they can see you as a good leader. But I guess my question was more to do with how to view this difficult time, how you perceive this difficult time. Did it scare you? You know, using your experiences in the past of fuck. Sometimes you get put in bad Mate, situations, but you get out of it. Absolutely. How are you viewing this Mate, right now? You know, I'm looking at this time. I remember 2008, right? I was, um, there was just, uh, I was an apprentice and I know just how bad that affected, you know, the commercial industry. This is way worse than that. So if that was a 12 to 24 month, you know, solid block where people were, you know, laying off staff, you know, cutting their business in half, you know, this could be a five plus year problem. So what I'm doing, I've, I've, I've freaked out basically because I know deep down roofing something that I've devoted my life to. But I've now got, you know, in the business of I don't do the roofing anymore, you know, but I don't really want to go back to doing the roofing. That's not where I feel I provide the most value for my clients and I don't see longevity in my business career by doing that. So I've made sure that we're working on the business and innovation and building um, streamlined systems so that – if the business comes out of this, you know, in six to 12 months and we've plenty of work happening, well, the business is in a better spot. Or if I have to scale right back down to myself as a salesman and BDM, I've got a system that I can do high level administration work and still get audited and pass. Cause at the moment I pay people to do that kind of stuff. So I've sort of gone into overdrive as to, okay, how can I still run an ISO level business right, if the world, if it just still all collapsed. So I'm at that stage right now. Yeah. So really what you're saying is using this ex- negative experience as an opportunity to improve the business model. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, the business model but also the operations and things uh, you No, mentioned. just improve the – I'm trying to build now. I'm actually trying to build a business right now. I've got to – you know, a lot of people say you either have a business or a high-paying job, you know what I mean? Oh, and I mean, at the moment, I'm not. At the moment, it's neither. Because, but you know, what I'm trying to say is, yeah, I'm trying to build a system that you know you can give to somebody, and they can go out and do this job. But you're, yeah, you're building out the operations of your business. Yeah. But what else you mentioned, which I think is very important, it's something I did. Definitely, certainly, and I've said in many episodes that COVID has been 
um, uh, really one of the best things that's happened to Cub for, for, for different reasons, mostly because of improvement, not because our, our sales are getting better than they ever were. They're not, mm. right? They're, instead of getting 40 members a month, we're bringing in 30 members a month. But because I was forced to focus on the costs of the business and what's important, the margin, percent, the, the margin, the margin got bigger. Yeah, um, the our cost dropped. Mm. The percentage of cost that dropped was bigger than the percentage of revenue that dropped. Yeah, um, so it w- worked in our advantage in that sense. Um, but one thing that I, I, um, I also did, and that's good was, business too, mate. Was, well done. Oh, thank you. <laughs> one thing that uh, I also did, which sounds like you did, was. I, I wanted to plan. So, if we're stuck in this mess for the next five years, I don't think we are going to be. But neither. But if we to. are stuck in it, I want to know that the team's safe, the business is safe, and we can we can weather a storm of doing f- even half of what we're doing now. We can still cruise through, and we still make it out the other yeah, side. There's and, security there. Yeah, and once you know that, once you say, okay, what's the absolute worst case scenario? Right? What's the worst? What's the lowest? I believe this could go. This could drop from for my particular business, and every business is different, depending on your industry, depending on your individual business and your model, whatever it is. Of course. Once you work out what's the absolute bottom, and then you create a plan that um, that your business can function in that bottom level sustainably over for as long as you possibly can. What would you call then, that plan? Just we called it a recession plan. Recession plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And. We based it on two things. We based it on well, both things were to do with the revenue, but we based it on either recession gets so bad that sales decrease because there's less businesses to sell to, right? Yeah. Or sales get bad because lockdowns in place in Sydney and in Melbourne, which could affect. Well, I like that. That's something sales. I might look at. It's she the hits best. the fan plan. That's what it is, yeah. and and it helped us a lot because I showed it to the team, so everyone knew what numbers we don't want to drop under. Because if we do, it means, okay, well, there's wage reductions and there's costs, things happen. But it also gave people certainty to, okay, well, we don't really care because we're safe. We know what's going on. We know the plan. We know what's happening. And when we, we're, we're smashing the numbers at the moment anyway. But, mm. but at least they know that there is a plan. And if that does happen, it's not a surprise. It's not like, hey, surprise, you know, they know, okay, well, we tick to this number. This is what happens. They tick to this number. This is what happens. And it goes down and down and down until 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 you die, really. Yeah. But until people start, and and not a lot of that, people are going to feel the pinch on the way down, right? They have to. Yeah. They have to. But but I think that plan is a really important plan, and I didn't do that until later on in the whole COVID process. But it definitely took a weight off my shoulders. Yeah. Well, I think that what that does too. That's taken. That's great. I haven't done that, right? Um. But because the job keeper I'm using to, as I said, I'm investing that back in the people, but obviously coming out the back end of the job keeper. We've got a pipeline at the moment that's, you know, another couple of months. Uh, negotiating a hell of a lot. But the problem is we've been doing that all year. Mm. It's getting that consistency. What do you mean negotiating? Oh, well, With basically, who? so basically they've won the job. You know, I've tendered the project. They've won the job. I'm going for tender meetings. Who's they? Who's so they? The construction partner. So the con- commercial builder or generally my residential guys, they're friends. I don't really, I just put the quote in, it's my job. Yeah, so that's been another thing. Do I go more residential? But then all the hard work and dedication and, you know, reputation you put into the commercial in the last two years is all a bit wishy-washy. So I'm, I'm content that's another option as well. But, you know, you tender for them, they win the project, they bring it back to you, they put the squeeze on again, you know, and if the next guy they're talking Sorry, with. Sorry, can you explain just exactly how it is that that process works? Because the. I got confused, but also I'm assuming so some listeners as well. Ten- so what's the what's – the, explain the structure of your company and how gaining the jobs actually happen. So the structure of the company, I have a, a full-time civil engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, he I've snapped him up off the plane. He used to build like project manage 60-storey buildings. So he's probably one of – you know, my office are my assets for sure. So I don't have a roofer estimator. I have someone that, you know, is an absolute asset to the builders. You know, he's probably just as smart as their – if not smart, has been doing it a long time. So I get the tender request, you know, as BDM. So, yep. And then I forward it on to Andrew. Yep. Yep. Andrew would then come. Andrew is still in your company. Yeah. Yeah, yep. of course. So he's down to three days. Yep. Everyone, I haven't dropped no wage reductions. Okay. And that, I think that's one thing I'm most proud of. No one's got a wage reduction. Good man. Um, at the moment. And I'm going to keep it that way. I thought, you know what, bring him in less, really pour the pressure on him though. Mm-hmm. So, you know, last week in three days, myself and him, we were tending for Parkview, Quasar. Like I think we submitted nearly $5 million in a week. 
That's more five than mil- five million in like, value worth of jobs. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like we, if, if, not that we would, because at the moment you're not going. But yeah, if we win that. We'd, Busy. We're too busy. busy yeah. yeah, you know, but so, he's working so, so really hard you, for those three you, days. You, you're doing the sales. You win the job. You send it. To, you kick it up to well, your guy, and then so no, you, you'd sort of call it my reputation and people that I've worked with before. Reach out, say so. You haven't won. That's the hard part. So those five builders, you know, you've worked with. You know, I've tender for say four of them. You've worked with them. They send it to you. They send it to another five guys. Then those builders have got to win it, and then so that's the process. But with everything going on right now, builders are obviously cottoning on that people want the work. People are willing to do low cost, no margin, yeah. buy jobs. Yeah. So a lot of this year, I, and I try to hold myself as I got a minimum uh, red line. Mm-hmm. What you're saying, because if like a minimum percentage of profit, yeah, but of gross profit, because through. you go into these jobs and you know they're you know large developments and there's sections there that no detail no plan instead of hitting them with variations or you know you meet on a mutual ground you know if there's gp there you're like you know what mate you know we'll we'll do that section yeah and and i mean your industry is a pretty is a real hardball kind of industry but um uh, like i said a lot of people going through a really hard time at the moment and mental health is a really big topic in fact, at Cub, we're actually having Mental Health Month this month and we've got a uh, member, Dr. Aileen Allegado, doing a string of psychology sessions, digital psychology sessions for the community, particularly the members in Melbourne who are in severe lockdown and, yeah, and absolutely. Uh, maybe struggling. Um, Not maybe, they would be. I guess what's your opinion on, on, on mental health and, and how you feeling and how you think everyone else is feeling? Well, look, mental health, firstly, I just want to say is important. You know, so important. Um, your friends your work colleagues, your own as the leader of the business. I've been watching you, man. I've Like in all honesty, you've been an inspiration the last two, three months for someone like myself. Why is that? You know, you've been getting back to your roots. You've spent a lot more time with your family, you know. You're still – you've been solid for your team and that's that's really hard. That is a real hard skill to have when the shit hit the fan plan is well underway. Mm. Look, I just want, you know, listeners or people out there, if they've, you know, lost their job or – you know, they've lost their role at a company. Or, or they've had to fire someone. They've had to fire, yeah. They've lost their you know, company. That's right. They've had to let go of people and, you know, it didn't go, it went down like a lead balloon, that kind of stuff. They're not feeling good. They've just got to understand and address it, you know. I think mental health comes from being able to sit within that feeling, that emotion of not being okay and and understand you're not okay and by talking and this, it's not okay. To, it's okay to be okay and to get out there and talk. I, I in my perspective, I talk. I talk, but you don't talk to everyone about that stuff. You've got to pick that one friend, the right people. Yeah, the, that one friend, that one girlfriend, that one person. That no judgment, because right now there's there's things happening right now that we have never ever seen before, never had to endure. So for people to be feeling some type of way, myself, June was a really bad month for myself. If I could touch on that, was like 70, 80% of my revenue gone Jeez. in one month. So, and it was being coming down, but everything got, I had contracts, but got pushed back because of COVID. Yep. So that was a hard month where. So the start dates got pushed back. Yeah, start dates got pushed back. But for me, it was hard because I had to get up every day. You Still know, need the cash flow. Get, get, get up, going to work, knowing, yeah, you know what? You're losing money. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the best thing that you can do about it is to let the people know around you, well, as me as a bit, I, I felt a part of me was lost, mm. yeah. Have your friends, do what you enjoy with them and and actually be open, let them know. I, I remember talking to uh, my best mate's brother and I was like, mate, I just don't feel like myself right now. Mm. From someone for the you know, last six years of business, you know, averaging 60, 70% growth year on year to then going, we have, I have, you know, I've got nothing to do. My mind was kicking in. You know, you'd sit at the computer. You couldn't concentrate. You know, ADD would take over and you'd be on your – I'd be trolling Facebook middle of the day where that's, that, wasn't my, that wasn't my jam mm. before. So what I could say to people is, is speak and it's not to speak to everyone but find that one person, that confidant, that, that one person that you can open up to and talk about the emotion that you're feeling and why – you're feeling that type of way. I think that's the only way to address with with myself. The only way I've been able to address it is to, okay, I don't feel good. Why am I not feeling good? And then sit there and talk about that reason why you're not feeling good because you can get caught up in what's not going your way, right? 
if I could have sat down and wrote everything that I, that I achieved in the six years prior to the business, you know, everything that my son's come out and seen on these large projects and when I was running a job for the Department of Justice in Broken Hill and he'd come out and he'd fly out and sit with me on the plane and all these cool stuff that's happened in the last six years, if I was to think about that rather than I've got no, my work's pushed back and this and that, it changes your perspective. Mm. But unless you sit in that feeling of emotion and actually drill down into how you feel, I don't think you're going to be able to pull yourself out of it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, the thing I had the toughest time with was the not being in control of, of being making sure that the team was all good in regards to the, in regards to the business. So the thing that, I, that ticked me off the most was like the lockdowns. It's like, well, how are we supposed to plan if there's a fucking lockdown? Like we don't know what you could, the government's going to do. Mm. And so I think that stress can be caused by the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. And right? literally if you, at if one stage it's week to week, right? Yeah, like literally we're waiting every Thursday. But a recession's for it, different. Like, like, okay, revenue drops but everything else stays the same. You know, you can handle a revenue drop. That's fine. But when there's lockdowns, like I, I feel like that caused that, that unknown. And my, my point is that you can bring control back to yourself. Right? That's why I made that recession plan. It was a lockdown and recession plan. But yeah, no, that it was, was both, both due to a drop in revenue. It brought the control back to me. I said, okay, well, I'm it's back down, in control. Out of your head. Yeah, I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. I'm ready to rock. Let's just yeah. keep pushing forwards. And this is what we're doing. We're we know what we every, need to do. Yeah, we're growing every month. We've grown every, every month more and more um, since the initial drop. When was that? In April. April was the worst month or whatever. But we've gone up and up and up and up. And we're going to get back to where we were before anyway. Because we're getting so much better at doing what we do, and it's because that um, I brought control back to, to to us, to the team, to myself, to the company. We weren't sitting around waiting. I didn't want to feel like a little sissy, kind of like waiting for government to tell me what to do. And to, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted to do my own thing. And and I think people should bring back control. And also, everything can be a positive. Even the horrible things can of become course, a positive they have if to. you have the right mindset. If you start letting the uh, the outside sort of world, the things you can't control, control your mindset, you've already mm. lost. And look, we we always go through these times though, where sometimes I feel like sometimes, man, I'm unstoppable. Mm. Seriously, mm. and and the hardest part with all this is what I've realised since COVID. That person who's so driven and can handle anything and push forward is generally though when the business is going well. Yeah. So what I've had to learn through COVID is even though the business isn't going well, you still have to push and drive like you are indestructible. Yeah. Knowing that this is the plan to get there. That leadership, right? Yeah. And that's that's it's been hard. And for, for it's funny, April was my largest month, even really? larger than the rest of the year. Yeah, because it would hit construction later because you still were in your middle yeah. of your job. And then you still had to I got to job. June and then June was like Crickets, bro. Yeah. I was waking up going, yep, no yeah, contracts. Uh, we would, and the hardest part was we tend to tender to, we're still tendering a lot. Mm. So the back office is all super busy submitting yeah. tenders, that kind yeah, of stuff. Trying to win jobs. Trying to win jobs. Yeah. So, but the operations, like they're like going from little job to little job. I'm telling them to just stay home. Yeah. You know, it was, it was just, it was a whole new aspect. But I think that's part of leadership, right? And I think moving forward out of this, I need to get better at that. Don't time myself. Two years ago in November last year when the business just had – was, you know, rocking. Roaring, yeah. Yeah, I took December pretty much to network. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> – hanging out at Cup. Yeah, I was hanging out at Cup every day just doing you all. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I literally went to Thailand for, you know, first overseas holiday because I'd never done holidays and stuff really. Yeah, working. Yeah, I've been working. And then I'd done that and, you know – Play, hang out with mates, and then I'll come back. And pretty much when I was back, it was just it was chaos, chaos. Yeah, um, chaos. I remember when you came, but back. I felt I lost my a bit of my person, you know, my mojo as a leader and the business. Really? Yeah, because I think at that stage, this was the first thing that happened. Everything in the business has yeah. been going pretty well. Business going well. I was growing with my networks. Yeah. You know, it was all a snowball. And then when that, I felt a bit stripped back. Yeah, and I think moving I forward out of this COVID, it's like no matter what happens with the business, or no matter what happens. I was still the person that got myself there in the first place. No mm. one else had done it. Mm. So you've sort of got to say if you strip everything back, the, the cars and the fleet and everything, hey, there's, still, there's still a business in here. Yeah, it's your brain. I've, yeah, I've learned. You. You. I've you learned as so long as you don't stop, the business is there. That's right, you know. So that's, that's one of the main things I've picked out of COVID. I, I think um, I actually I, I 
worked harder. I got more motivated. And I, it, it, That's what the, I'm saying. You're an inspiration, yeah, man. Problem, I was the, watching you. The problem didn't com- hit me. The, it wasn't like, a, oh, I didn't get put down really. I, felt, I actually felt kind of excited that I was going to be more useful for the – for the business because mm. like she hit the fan. I was like, yeah, man, I got something to do. Put the cape on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some heroes before, wear before cape. that it was getting too cruisy. I was hanging out tenure, drinking huh? too much. <laughs> it gave me something to do. It was like, fuck yeah, let's rock. And <laughs> and it worked out well. But um, yeah, one more thing I want to touch on as well, which I think is really important and I think it definitely affects people's uh, mental health, is when people lie about how they're going in COVID. I hate it when I ask someone, "How how's business right now? Oh, Booming, better than ever. Bullshit. Fuck, I would love to jab that person in the face. <laughs> Mate, I hate it when people you know say how it. how many I hate people it. And they, said that? they look like morons when they say it too. Okay, maybe there's 1% or there's an industry. Mate, or unless you're a surgical mask or unless something. Unless you own like, Zoom. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Zoom went from like 10 billion to now 60 billion. It's crazy. But yeah. but at the whole, like, that's not the case. Like it's all right to say, yes, we're doing well. We had a drop in revenue. But we figured out we dropped some costs and we changed some things and look, we're, we're progressing. That's honest. I hate it when people aren't honest because uh, some people believe them. And, I mean, I have the great benefit of being surrounded by business people all day, every day. I know who's talking shit and who's not. Yeah. But, like, I just think honesty is the way to go. A, people are going to trust you more. Because people don't want to be vulnerable, mate. That's what it is. Like they're, yeah, you know, but that's, you that's, yeah, well, they don't seem to they don't seem to want to let people know that if their business is, it must be a sign of weakness. Well, not really. I've actually opened up more about it because ho- I'm hoping people goes, I know that guy who maybe you can deal with. You yeah, know what I mean? And also that guy is a tough dude. Look what he just went through. And also I trust him because he's being honest. And also I like him more because I feel better because he was because he made me feel better and didn't make me feel like a piece of shit. Because like, I'm not doing yeah, so well. because if I'm not doing but well, he's which booming. No, no one is. And then, yeah, he's booming. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I hate yeah, him. Fully. But, so I, I think people Let's need slash his tyres right quick. 100%. <laughs> I think people need to be more honest about how they're going in, in COVID and, and also a more transparent view on business, from business to business. What are you doing that's working? What am I doing? Like when I just shared our recession plan with you, yeah. I love the recession plan. When I came up with that thing, I felt so much better. I was boxing when I did it, when I thought of it. And I was like, geez, that already makes me feel better. You know, businesses like us should be sharing these little things that we're doing. And, and, and I got a lot of great mentors, of course, who were telling me a lot of things. And, yeah. and that if there was more knowledge share and honesty and less talking shit and saying you're booming, yeah. right, it, it would be better for everyone and mental health would just, I reckon people's mental state would be a lot better. Oh, absolutely, mate. I think that's one thing with me. You'll never get me, you know, mm. pissing your pocket until you're training, mate. It, was, it has been uh, the first time I've, I've had a loss mm. in, in the six, seven years of business. Mm. So, you know, like I said, it's no joke. We had growth. There was years we doubled a couple of times and, mm. So this has been all new for me and I'm definitely not going to walk around and tell people we're doing well. Like, you know, and even to – I'm working yeah, on – It's not that you're not doing well. No, but – You're doing well. It's just it's just that you, you're not booming. No, like, yeah, we're not. You know, right now 70% it's – 70% growth. No, it's literally uh, – um, we're keeping people employed. Yeah, you know, and, and which is good. That's doing and, good. And, and here I am saying we are doing well. They're getting the same wage and, I, and yeah. we, we, we're floating. I'm, I feel like right now the business is trying to show them – that you know what, let's. I, I'm willing to take a hit. Yeah, you know, I'm willing to take a hit. So what I ask of you guys to come and do for the business every single week, I'm willing to do the same thing back. Mm. You know, so it's also trying to strengthen my foundations with the business. And you're right. I've, I have heard a. There's not many of them out there, but there has been a few out there in the winners in the winners circle. Let's call yeah. it through COVID. And and um and in a time when there's like four million people or whatever it is unemployed. Keeping all your team employed is doing well. That's <laughs> true. I mean? See, I'm being humble for once. Yeah, See, all like, my friends that don't think I'm humble, and you listen to this podcast. Wages. I'm humble as I told yeah, you. You didn't even drop wages. The first thing I did was drop them. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I wanted to play it safe. I knew that. I knew yeah. that it was going to need. I knew it wasn't going to be long term. Well, I hadn't set I up a, re- to- a recession plan, but I was going to go buy it. Buy. Right, I also so. do want to mention, sorry, our wages got lifted back to normal after eight I months. I know, I've already heard tonight. Weeks. So that, that's, that's well receptive with the crew. <laughs> but right. I wanted well to done. play it safe and, and um, a lot of smart people said to me the people who act first are those who survive. So yeah. I thought. Mate, you've, in all honesty, I'll take my hat off to you. I've been seeing you on, you know, your Instagram and socials and I constantly, positivity, I'm always reaching out, you know, and I think, you know, people like yourself that were leading it well, it's also gave me an, um, a second leg in my business where I'm like, look, if I'm 
down and out, even through the worst, yeah, when shit hits the fan and stuff, well then how can I expect them to come in and, and feel secure and that kind of stuff? That's so. the key. If you were down and out, your whole team's down and out and that's why the business relies on you. Whatever you are, you, they have to be. You can't get sick. You can't get tired. You can't get stressed. You can't get worried. You have to be rock solid. You can say, explain, oh, this is scary, but don't worry about it. We're going to sort it this out. This is what we're going to do yeah, to get through this it is the plan. together. Yeah. And I can't do it on my own. Exactly. You know? mm. We can do this. Inspire. That's mm. what people need. And, and you can't do that unless you have a really good mental state, a really good mindset. And you have to kind of love the fact that this is an opportunity for you to stand out as a business owner. You know, a, a lot of people are going to fall over in this time. And if you don't, right? Survive and thrive, yeah, baby. You're going to, you're going to thrive. Let's yeah. see survive and thrive. And, and you know, People won't and people will. Yeah. But the ones who do are going to have the right mindset. That's pretty much they're going to make the smart decision. They're going to have the right mindset. Um, and before we wrap up, because we're almost at time, is there um, – do you have like a, a favourite – some favourite books or, or some key lessons that you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, oh, look, I don't really – I know you read. You're a reader. I'm not – I suffer, I, th- I believe, from, you know, I have ADD for sure. Um, books I can't concentrate for long enough. Uh, the only books I've read twice, uh, The E-Myth, uh, Think and Grow Rich and 10X by Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. The E-Myth I'll talk about, the one that that was good is because that was the first book a couple of years ago that made me go and hire people in the back office and like well, my engineer was, you know, well, I'm not the best at these big drawings. I'm not the best of design and AutoCAD. If I go down this commercial path to provide value, I need to have this. So I had to do it. So you know, hire that technician. So it taught me that. And um, lessons, mate, you know, every – I've had a few um, – don't chase revenue in business. If I could say one thing to myself as a 23-year-old or so or 25 or I just kept chasing new clients, I wouldn't do my due diligence on who I worked with. I've been stung now, you know, for nearly just under 400,000, so a few builders, and I've only got, you know, 170 of it back. I've, you know, obviously I've, I've never been in an overdraft, so I've had a good solid business. Um, however, if I had my time again, instead of just going and working for that builder, you know, run, run his numbers, get a credit, get a creditor score, see if you can get insurance on him and, yeah, don't work for everyone. Mm. That's a little bit because they bring you, they make it hard. Yeah. You know? It's better not to do a job than to pay contractors, pay employees, pay suppliers because you don't just lose your revenue. If you do what I do and you pay everyone back, you lose double. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest And And also to add lesson. to that, which you said before, is that you focus on what you do, which is the steel roofing, the, the sorry, metal yeah. roofing. And that is sacrificing revenue because you're not doing the tile or you're not doing the – Yeah, and, and that's so right. So that applies. Like you are a legend – Thank you for coming on the show. And to the listeners, thank you all for listening. I hope you you enjoyed the show. See ya. Bye.